Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we hear from Chris Kolinkowski, who was just extended by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers offensive lineman for two years. And we'll also talk to Murata Tesh, our friend from The Athletic, about the Jets' youth movement heading into their game Thursday against the Red Wings. That's all coming up on the podcast. Winnipeg Blue Bombers continue to keep signing people from their Grey Cup winning squad last year. Today, it was offensive lineman Chris Kolonkowski, who has spent most of the 2021 season on the practice roster, suited up for a couple games at the end of the year, and dressed as well for the Grey Cup win in Hamilton. And he joins us now on the CJOB Sports Show. Chris, uh, congrats on the new deal. I appreciate it. Thank you. Where are you calling in from tonight? Uh, Toronto. Okay, so that's where you, you spend uh, the off season. Yeah, I was born and raised here, so come home for the off season usually. And in the month since the Grey Cup win, which was one month ago today, how has uh, the celebrations gone, or has it been kind of muted because of the pandemic? Yeah, back in Winnipeg when we got back from Hamilton, it was pretty, uh, pretty unbelievable. You know, just the fans coming out to everything we did, a couple restaurants hosting, and just celebrating with the team and coaches. Um, but coming back to Toronto around Christmas time, it was kind of folks around family, and then. Right in the new year, they shut us back down with COVID, so it's kind of uh, toned down a bit now. When does your off-season training schedule generally begin? Would you be into it by now, or are you still kind of in a recovery phase? Uh, usually about two weeks after I get going, so I'm well into it. Um, it starts off a little bit lighter with uh, you know higher volume, less weight, and then just gradually work up from there. But yeah, I'm well into the off-season training already. Are you doing it from home because gyms are shut down in Ontario now? Yeah, pretty much. So getting whatever I can in here. And then uh, my condo gym's still open, so okay. that works out. Yeah, so I still have some access to a little bit of equipment. How would you describe yeah. your 2021 season with the Blue Bombers? Uh, it was a little different. Um, being a veteran player on practice roster, it's something that you know I wasn't hoping for coming into the season, but it's the way it shook out. Obviously, with our very strong offensive line, it's hard to compete for a spot there. Um, but just spending that year, like my first year with the Bombers, it was a great experience. Obviously, uh, you hear about the culture in the locker room, the culture of the O-line, and all those things r- ring true. It's really a special group of guys, so I was able to learn a lot from the veterans on the team and just get a feel for the playbook and everything. And then, uh, you know, obviously towards the end, I got a couple dresses, got a little feel for some game time with the Bombers, and, you know, you can't really complain about anything when it ends up with a great cup victory. So I think all of us were pretty satisfied with the way the year went. Yeah, for those who are unfamiliar, you were uh, drafted in 2016 by the Argonauts. You spent uh, a couple seasons there in Toronto, ended up coming here in Winnipeg, first with the signing in February 2020. Of course, no season in 2020, so your first real season in 2021. Why did you want to come to Winnipeg to begin with in 2020? Uh, Well, I was a free agent in 2019, so I was really looking for an opportunity. And, um, you know, when I was playing Toronto, you hear guys coming from other teams and, you know, you hear stuff about other teams, you know, good and bad from pretty much every team. But Winnipeg's one organization where really I didn't hear anything negative about the organization from a locker room perspective, a coaching perspective. Um, every player that played in Winnipeg, and at least the time that I've been in the league, had nothing but positive things to say about playing for that organization. And they really wish that it could have worked out that they continued their career with Winnipeg. So as soon as I got a call with an offer of a contract, it was a no-brainer to just sign on a dotted line and uh, fight for an opportunity. And of the things you've heard before you came to Winnipeg, was it all borne out when you got here? Was everything true? 
Yeah, absolutely. It's um, I saw an article about that. Just they really make you feel like they care about you, and um, that definitely rang true in the first couple conversations I had with Coach O'Shea and our offensive line coach. Like the front office really cares about the players, and then there's just a strong veteran leadership with high character guys that look after each other, help each other, and just really work on the team being great. So um, pretty much everything I heard was exactly as it is. Looking at this offensive line unit, I know you didn't play all that much this year, but what kind of pride is there in that group, the way that they were able to protect the quarterback, run the ball, and really stay healthy in 2021? Yeah, it's it's a special group, obviously. Like, the fans have seen the last couple of years, and I got a witness this year. Um, just the physicality of the group. Um, there's none of that fake tough guy stuff. It's all play hard between the whistles, run the ball downhill, and we'll lead the way. And it's just something when I showed up is try to raise my game to play to their standard and um, hope to continue that. And obviously keeping the quarterback clean was a goal of ours. And uh, the starting unit did a great job of that all year lowest sacks in the league. So that's something that they're really proud of and the whole group's proud of. So in signing a two-year extension here to come back with the Bombers, have you been told what the role is expected for you? Are you expected to compete for a starting job or are you still looked at as a practice roster player? What's been told to you so far in this negotiation process? It's just show up and compete. So whatever role is available, just compete to contribute as much as I can. Obviously, as a veteran player, my goal is to start. But in this room, obviously, there's a lot of competition for that. So I just have to work my work my tail off this off season and show up, compete for a starting job. Um, obviously, that's the goal of every player that shows up to training camp is compete for a starting spot, and that's kind of the goal I have is uh, coming into 2022. When you see someone like Drew Desjardins getting looks down south, does that add to the pride of the room? Absolutely. I think everyone on our team is proud to say they played with Drew. And obviously, we all wish him the best. It would be nice to have him back, but we hope he gets a chance down south. And uh, just watching him play the last couple of years, he played in the OUA with Windsor, and I played in the OUA with York. So coming from kind of the same pipeline, the same kind of uh, caliber of a program as him and see his success, it'll be amazing to see the looks he gets and how it shakes up for him at the end of all his workouts. Jonathan Kongbo today, also uh, released by the Bombers. He just signed a deal with the Denver Broncos. Did you spend a lot of time in practice going up against him? Uh, I'm more interior, so not so much. But okay. there were reps here and there where I got a chance to go up against him. And he's just a high-effort guy. you know, No plays off, practice or game. So it's really good to see him get an opportunity down south. That's for sure. What does it say about this team that you know someone like Jonathan Kongbo, who wasn't a starter on the defensive line, is getting a look in the, C- or in the NFL? It shows just the depth of the talent on this team, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. We got the, he learned, obviously, he learns a lot from uh, Jeff Code and Willie. And uh, just like Drew on the O-line learns a lot from Patty, Stan, Yoshi, Mike. And uh, it just shows, like, the veteran leadership. They guide the young guys to have success. There's none of that uh, always competing for my job. I think everyone's really just looking out for the best interests of everyone around them. Yeah, you mentioned you're you're a veteran. You're 29 years old. You turn 30 in a month. But that's still relatively young on the offensive line with Winnipeg. Yeah, with such a veteran group, I'm not the oldest one yet. So that's uh, it's a little unique position to be in in the CFL in terms of age. But yeah, definitely a lot of guys in the room with a lot more experience than me. So I can still learn a lot from the guys around me and 
I know they'll be willing to teach me everything they know. How much fun do you have playing in Winnipeg? That's one of the reasons why I wanted to come back. Like before I left the city, it was, I made it clear that this is where I want to play football before we even talked about contracts. And, uh, I'm just glad it was able to work out like between like the fan experience is unbelievable. Seeing the 32,000 fans losing their minds every game. Um, I played in Toronto the first couple of years, so it's kind of lacking in that aspect. Mm-hmm. So between the fans, every game and just the locker room, the way we enjoy ourselves, every practice, everyone in the locker room loves playing football and it really doesn't feel much like a job at all. Like it's just hanging out with your friends, doing what we love every day. So, there's a reason why a lot of people want to play here. Well, Chris, congrats on the new two-year deal. Appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for this. Best of luck in the offseason, and we'll uh, see you when you come to Winnipeg. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. But let's talk about the Winnipeg Jets, who tomorrow night are in Detroit, and bring on our friend Murat Atesh of The Athletic. Murat, how are you doing? Looking forward to actually getting to cover a game again? Oh my goodness! Feels like a week's been forever in in our world, uh, but yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm curious to see what kind of roster and what kind of performances Jets team will bring, Christian. Well, let's start with what I think is maybe the top story, and that is Cole Perfetti appearing to get a promotion to the second line out of necessity more than anything. Someone has to play there. What are you looking for from the young Cub playing with Dubois and Connor tomorrow night? The, the most skilled line mates he'll have ever had, uh, probably I guess in his career. You know, absolutely. I mean, he, he played with some pretty impressive talent. Like, for example, uh, Owen Tippett, who's playing with the Florida Panthers right now uh, when he was in junior. But, I mean, that's still not quite the same thing as Kyle Connor or Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, and it's an incredible opportunity for Cole Perfetti playing, you know, in just his fourth National Hockey League game. We're going to be looking for him to demonstrate not only that he belongs and can sort of acquit himself just fine, but that he can create a little bit at the NHL level. And at the AHL level with the Moose, when he gets the puck on his stick, he thinks so quickly and has so many different senses of reads he can make, plays he can make, that he can really control the game, which is incredible for a player, you know, all five foot ten, five foot eleven, and uh, you know, about 180 pounds. It's it's a really impressive thing to watch at the NHL level. Certainly, after just a few games, we haven't seen it, but what we have seen in glimpses is when he gets the puck on his stick, he knows what to do. He has a plan. He can move it to a teammate in a good position, and the more opportunities he gets to do that and has confidence with that puck and, and looks to create and send Kyle Connor into dangerous areas or, you know, be uh, an extra option for Pierre-Luc Dubois on the wall, whatever that is, whatever that looks like, you're just looking for him to, to show a little bit of positivity with his touches where he creates more often than he defers to those, uh, you know, obviously talented linemates, like you said. Too soon to say this, obviously, because he's had such a small sample size. The Jets play tomorrow, then not till Tuesday. Do you see a world in which Cole Perfetti plays well enough that they just can't send him back down to the AHL? I think it's possible. I'm not I'm not thinking of it as a likelihood because, you know, with Blake Wheeler expected back at the end of the month, there's going to be an easy pretense to return Cole Perfetti to the AHL if the Winnipeg Jets want to do that or if he doesn't tear the cover off the ball, so to speak. However, based strictly on his ability, his intelligence, the fact that I think that the more minutes he gets in these opportunities with players like Connor and Dubois, it's only going to be 
a matter of time before treading water turns into swimming proactively. You know, it's going to be getting a sense of the NHL speed, the NHL size, and yeah, he'll get pushed around a little bit at, at his size. But I think that he's going to, you know, with a few games worth of play, which it looks like he's on track to get whenever Wheeler returns, you know, I get the sense that he's that smart, that talented. He'll be able to create enough to at least make that decision difficult. Let's look on the back end now where we know that Dylan Sandberg will play tomorrow. Possible Declan Chisholm does as well, depending on whether Dylan DeMello is able to to show that he's ready to play again because they may have tested out a pro- COVID protocol, Jansen Harkins and Dylan DeMello. But if you haven't skated in a week, that you might not be able to play, ready to play a game again. What are you looking for from those young players, potentially both uh, Chisholm and Sandberg, or at least just Sandberg tomorrow night? Yeah, it'd be interesting if we get the the double youth pairing in, in Chisholm and Sandberg, and, and they would have some familiarity with each other from the Musa. It's not that they've been a permanent pairing or anything like that, but certainly they know each other and have played minutes together at different times. Um, but we'll start with Dylan Sandberg, because he's the one that we know is going to play. And, you know, I'm expecting, though we can't say it for sure, that Dylan DeMello will make it back in, and Declan Chisholm might be on the outside looking in. I don't know that. Dylan Sandberg we know is in. And he's such an intriguing prospect for the Winnipeg Jets. It's been a few years since his draft. He had a strong college career. He is one of those guys that, you know, unlike where you can say, oh, Cole Perfetti, he's small at 5'10 or 180 pounds or what have you. Dylan Sandberg is built like a truck and the exact kind of truck that you would imagine to play hockey. You know, you watch him. He's mobile. uh, He can lay the body. He has just enough offense that he was a productive college player. He's productive at the moose level. He had that injury to start the year, the high ankle sprain, and did start a little bit slowly with the Moose this year, but he's rounded into form. And I think that this isn't just an injury and COVID situation for Dylan Sandberg, whether it was this year, whether it was next year, we're not that far away from him dipping his toe into the NHL level. So I think that what we look for from him is just to do what he does well. I mean, utilize his size, win a net battle or two, um, you know, box out, tie up sticks, take those away. And then on the other side of the puck, when he has it, be confident enough to trust that he's done puck positive thing, possession positive things, um, you know, throughout his entire career. And that includes right up to the AHL level as well. You know, he's not going to be playing enormous minutes coming off that third pairing. I I don't expect that, but he'll get plenty of touches and plenty of looks. And, uh, you know, if he does as if he does, if he brings his AHL game with him, it'll be enough to acquit himself just fine. And and I think that'll be a good NHL debut for Dylan Sandberg. The Jets are getting a glimpse into their future by necessity because of all the players that have gone into protocol. It's, do you feel it's a bit of a blessing in disguise for the team to at least see what they have in the prospect pipeline, getting these NHL looks? Oh, I think so. I absolutely think so. I, I would go far as far back as last season when, you know, COVID and injuries hit and you'd have a player like Ville Hainala, who unfortunately in this scenario is also on the COVID protocol right now. Um, you'd have a player like him join the taxi squad for a month, not play um, because the the team ended up becoming completely healthy, even when there were question marks. Uh, So given Winnipeg's, you know, full health and all that sort of stuff, I don't think that we'd be looking at these opportunities. And now that the Jets uh, are forced to do it, I think it's a good thing in a lot of ways. It gives sort of, I want to say, bite-sized or piecemeal or cup of coffee opportunities to get looks at these players. There's a recognition that I don't think there's a tremendous amount of pressure. They can just be themselves and do their best to fit into the team game because the expectation is health will return. You know, Cole Perfetti doesn't have to be Blake Wheeler. He just has to be himself. 
Um, you know, similar with Dylan Sandberg, he doesn't have to be, you know, Hermantown alum Neil Pionk. He just has to be himself. And when the team returns to full health, it's a deep enough that these guys will likely return to the AHL, though, like we said, Perfetti, we'll see. Um, and I think that will be good. And that, that taste of the NHL speed, that sense of, of problems that they need to solve at the NHL uh, pace and size and all of those sorts of things. You know, I think that a slow integration like that isn't such a bad thing for guys with genuine pro experience like Sandberg has, Hanela has, Perfetti has. And of course, now we also see Dominic Tonin out of Genny Svechnikov, Jansen Harkins, Christian Veselainen pushed up that depth chart as well into, into prominent roles. So it's head to toe. These guys are getting opportunities. It's a great point by you. So the Jets are playing such a disjointed schedule, right? They have two weeks off between games from St. Louis to Vegas. They play three games. They get just trucked in Colorado. And they got to sit on that for a week. And then they don't play again for a few days after that till Tuesday in Washington. Do you think that this is a competitive disadvantage for this team, that they have to have these long chunks of inactivity? I mean, I would typically think of it that way because just anecdotally, it seems as though when we've seen teams take long breaks, especially the Winnipeg Jets, gosh, that first period is a little bit rough and then we'll see how the rest of the game goes. I'm not sure if this may be that, you know, a pro of this would be Dave Lowry gets a particularly extended uh, practice time for a team that he's taking over. And, you know, we could have said that over the, over December, even before the, the, all these uh, delays have happened, you know, since he's gotten the job, he's had an awful lot of practice time compared to a typical year. So ideally that helps if not, you know, on, you know, tomorrow against Detroit or, or next week against Washington, um, but over the course uh, over the course of the season, one really hopes that it does. Perhaps you saw that a little bit with Dominic Ducharme in Montreal last year, who was doing teaching at morning skates, which is almost unheard of. And then progressively, that Canadians team got better and better, and, and obviously had a strong playoff run. Um, so that would be the best case scenario on the pro side. But I'm sure these guys are you know champing at the bit, getting ready, and and just sick of hitting each other in practice in those tight areas, all that net front stuff and, and, and ready to take on opponents uh, starting tomorrow night. What are your thoughts on this Detroit team? We obviously haven't seen them in quite a while since they were really bad. They're better now, but what are your thoughts on a, on a Detroit team that's got some uh, definite young talent on it and now seemingly some stability in net with Nedeljkovic? Yeah. You know, with Lucas Raymond and Moritz Cedar, I, I, I think, uh, I think that they've got a really bright future, to be sure. I mean, that's two-thirds of probably your top three in the Calder race. Uh, they've managed a 500 points percentage, though it's not quite 500 because they've lost in overtime. They're 16, 16, and 5, I believe. Um, and and they're really doing better than I think a lot of, uh, you know, pundits like myself would have predicted for a team relying so heavily on unproven players. Um that's not to say that they don't have their warts. Their, you know, their goal differential at minus 24 is pretty rough. Um, for a team in transition, though, I think that you'd have to really like where they're at, what they've been able to accomplish, and, and certainly Dylan Larkin. You could add to that in terms of the talent group as well. You know, the X's and O's, I can't say that I'm an expert on the Detroit Red Wings at this stage of the game, uh, but just from a results basis, you have to be impressed that they're, you know, just three points back of Boston uh, in the Atlantic division. That's, that's just wild for me. The caveat being that Boston has played five fewer games, uh, making up one of them tonight. They're going to win in Montreal or against Montreal, it looks like, but still the fact that they are next, next in line, they're ninth right now. They, they're next in line in the wild card race. 
in a top heavy Eastern conference, but still Detroit, you know, the, you mentioned Dylan Larkin who leads the team. who has got on a point of game pace. L- Lucas Raymond's been awesome with 30 points in 37 games. Tyler Bertuzzi leading the team with 17 goals. And then on the back end, Alex Nedeljkovic, 10, nine and four with a 287 goals against average and nine fifteen save percentage. The wings are good at home too. They're 12, five and two at home. They're bad, really bad on the road, but this is going to be a, a January for the jets where they're probably not going to play a home game all month. And maybe they'll end up being a, a, a team that figures out how to play on the road because for much of the start of the season, they weren't good on the road. Now they're going to have to be. <laughs> you know what? Absolutely. They will be. And you know, that, that games played caveat is an important one for sure. I was realizing that just as I finished that thought, um, they, the Detroit Red Wings, though, aren't an easy push. They're not an easy out. And, you know, I was going to say compared to a team like Arizona, who you might think of as an easy out, but Winnipeg lost to Arizona at one point this season. It is, so nothing's given and nothing's guaranteed. Like you say, with the schedule being what it is, with all of these various home games postponed as, you know, teams hope that they'll be able to get fans in the building a, a little bit later, a little bit later. We could see just a February of nothing but home games in that Olympic break, uh, depending on what the schedulers are able to come up with you know Winnipeg is in a unique situation playing a ton of road games I think some of their early struggles would have happened no matter where they were playing I mean that PK was brutal they were they were spotting teams a a goal or two per game I think that that is, is a lot better than it was but the big point the important takeaway from the number of road games they're playing and not just against you know, Detroit this week, but then you go into Washington, Nashville, who's been, you know, really quite a surprise. UC Saros playing brilliantly. Boston and Pittsburgh, you know, um, the depth they have, Pittsburgh has of getting Malkin back. Boston's looking at different looks with Pasternak and Hall, and of course they've got Bergeron and Marchand and all of that sort of stuff. They're going to be put through the ringer. And if Winnipeg is going to use the games in hand that they have, pick up some points and push into the playoff spot, I mean, these next five games are not an easy way to do it. They'll have to find a way. Murad, appreciate your time as always. Thanks for this, and we'll check in down the road. Right on. Christian, thanks so much. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m., of course. That is when the Jets are not playing, because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell, until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you over the day. You may not share our intellect, which might explain the